Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Happy July 4th, everyone, and welcome to just a little quickie keep it rolling episode of Fantasy NBA Today, a sports ethos presentation. I'm guessing, frankly, very few of you will be tuning in. You guys all have your holiday stuff going on. It's barbecue day. It's beer swilling day here in America. And I don't have a whole lot to add. We're not going to do the we're not going to do the nuggets today. We'll save that for tomorrow a normal weekday show or also known as July 4th hangover day, but that'll still be nah, not for adults, not for old men like me. But that'll be an opportunity for us to kind of get back into the mix. Gives us a little more time to let anything trickle in on the free agent front, which, mind you, has been relatively quiet over the last 24 hours. Summer League is underway, and someone's going to overreact to it. The Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest is underway, and someone's going to underreact to it. And I continue to try to figure out how to operate with Twitter and TweetDeck swirling in a tornado of dookie. Ugh, it's really a mess. We'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. We'll make sure there's a way. I said it on yesterday's pod, and I do kind of wonder if if Elon breaks Twitter permanently in this unending quest to squeeze $8 a month out of, I don't know, a couple people. It just it feels like advertising dollars lost would be a lot less than $8 per however many people won. But maybe I'm wrong on the metrics on that. But let's say that this thing does finally come apart. Because for, uh, when did this whole thing go through? Like November? Was it around November that he bought it last year? And I kept thinking, all right, well, like he's cost-cutting and just trying to wiggle through here. But you don't want to just sink $40 billion, do you? These last changes kind of make me feel like there's a uh, the producer's plot going on here where there's like a just an absolute truckload of insurance money tied up in if Twitter bombs at the box office. I can't figure out any other reason why this is what we're seeing. But we're trying to wiggle our way through. We're trying to find a way. And uh, as I said also on yesterday's show, we don't really need it imminently. This is not a time of year where basketball enthusiasts, fantasy in particular, desperately need the terrifying immediacy that Twitter brings to our day-to-day lives. So like if somebody gets hurt or breaking injury news, thing, that that's the usually the big one, but just... NBA news in general was very big on Friday where the free agency stuff was going crazy. But even that, it wasn't like it wasn't like you had a league that you were going to go out and make a pickup in on a whim. Maybe some dynasty formats, you could squeeze something out. But we have this window up until the run up to the season where we don't need Twitter to be working perfectly. We do kind of need people to those that make and break the news to remain available on it. But there is this window here where hopefully things get sorted out. If they don't, 
The reason I bring this up today, because we kind of have this almost like an off day between real shows. The reason I bring this up today is because you are seeing some kind of half-cocked competitors trying to push their way into this small vacancy opened up by Twitter loading a weapon and pointing it straight down at their own foot. And by and large, it... uh, It doesn't seem like any of them is going to do it. But there is a little fleeting hope that the other big established social media company is the one that might be able to make it go. And so tomorrow, no, Thursday, Threads is a new app being released by Zuckerberg's meta company, which has all of its own problems. But he's spotted an opening, and they're going to try to wedge their way into it by just, like, not screwing it all up. And they have the infrastructure. So I'm I'm saying this not because I, I expect it to necessarily take over, but I'm saying it because I'm almost definitely going to start a Threads account on Thursday when it becomes available to those of us in the United States. It's built to look a lot like Twitter. It's not going to have the user base that Twitter has. But at least, again, like Meta can just put this in front of everybody that it already has. So Instagram, they'll, they'll force them to see it. Facebook users, they'll force them to see it. Anything that Zuckerberg owns and runs, they can just put this app in someone's face. And every day that Twitter poops all over itself is another day that people are going to be like, oh yeah, you can also like see my stuff over here where things are not a complete cluster mess. Now the problem is, I have no idea what like a Teams function would look like over on Threads. I don't know if it's even something that they have in the works. I don't know if you can sign into multiple accounts. There's a lot of stuff that I probably could know if I did a little bit more research today, but it's July 4th and I wanted to get the show out here. So uh, we'll learn a little bit more over the next couple of days. I will remind you all, and we'll just kind of see what happens. I don't know that I'm going to be, like, using it a ton, because there isn't much going on right now anyway, but I, maybe I'll try sort of duplicate simulpost thing, where if people are going to pop up over there, then it would be good to be a part of it also. So just keep an eye out for that, and uh, keep an ear open for uh, any updates that I might bring your way on what I'm up to. I will not be leaving Twitter, at least not in the very near term. I do kind of want to see how this latest explosion, implosion, whatever you want to call it, plays itself out. There are still far more people and news breakers, news makers, and news aggregators and news consumers on Twitter than any of these other platforms that are popping up. But... You just never know. Because right now, every month, every two months, Twitter does something to alienate some fraction of its user base. And at some point, that needle might pivot. And we just want to be ready for it. The actual topic on today's podcast is a brief one. Beyond just wishing everybody a happy July 4th and doing a 15-minute show or whatever this turns out to be, 
We are into a part of the off season where we're, you know we're almost through. We're almost through the team reviews. We have one more team to do there. Then we'll have some time spent on free agency stuff and kind of reassessing where a lot of the teams talk we talked about already, where a lot of the teams have now moved. And you guys, I'm sure, have noticed over this last few weeks, or even if you've been listening to the show longer over the pretty much the entire run of Fantasy NBA Today, that I talk an awful lot about ADP. Folks, picture this nightmare scenario. You're hosting friends for the big game. It's neck and neck in the fourth quarter, and suddenly you realize you're out of drinks. Boo, say all of your friends. You start to sweat. Your friends turn on you. You're forced to go on a last-second drink run and end up missing the game-winning touchdown while in line. Oh, no. Terrifying, isn't it? Luckily, you can avoid the drama with Drizzly, the go-to app for drink delivery. With Drizzly, you can shop a huge selection of beer, wine, and spirits, then get them delivered right to your watch party. Compare prices across multiple stores in your area, find the best deals on game day drinks, and get back to armchair quarterbacking from, you guessed it, your armchair. Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y dot com today. Must be 21 plus, not available in all locations. And I kind of wanted to just take five, six, seven minutes on today's podcast to remind everybody, new and old, of why we do it this way. The very short version... The very short answer to that topic, question, whatever you want to call it, our thesis statement here on the podcast is because it simplifies fantasy basketball. We, on Fantasy NBA Today, advocate drafting. This, again, this is not, you know, this is only draft night because that's what ADP applies to. ADP being average draft position. We advocate trying to draft... Well, let me go back even farther here. I almost got into the... So the idea of simplifying, which you guys have heard me talk about a billion times on this podcast, is, I believe, a way for most fantasy basketball players to be better than about 95% of the fantasy basketball community without doing the deep digging that we're obviously going to do uh, during the season and even in the run-up to the season. There, there are plenty of other things that we kind of pile on top of it. But the foundation, the bottom level of our fantasy basketball food pyramid is always going to be simplifying the game. And one of the foods in that bottom layer that fits into this simplifying the game. One of the foods in this very goofy metaphor is finding players who beat their ADP, meaning players who finished the season ranked higher than the slot where they were drafted. It sounds so simple, but there are kind of two different directions you could go with this. There's the head-to-head side where you are probably looking a little bit more at totals, 
than per game rank, although they both matter. And then there's the Roto side, which typically has a game's cap on it. Otherwise, what the hell are you even doing here? Then the person who picks up and drops the most players is the one that wins your Roto League. Games cap spots, you're balancing the uh, per game versus totals stuff a little bit more so. Where a guy that beats his ADP by playing in 81 out of 82 ball games might not actually be worth quite as much as the guy who beats his ADP by playing in 69 out of 82 ball games, but at a much higher per game clip. Because again, on the Roto side, you fill in those other games with someone off the waiver wire. Head to head, you you can never get back the games that are missed. That's on draft night, honestly, that's one of the key differences between a roto draft and a head-to-head draft. Accounting for missed games. Yes, obviously, punt strategies, that's sort of the next one down the board uh, versus well-roundedness. But at the end of the day, drafting to beat ADP is one of the foundational principles of fantasy NBA today. And so that's why you guys hear me talking about it so much at this time of year, why I'm looking at guys and I'm saying, oh, well, this guy could be very exciting next year, but there's always a but. A big swinging butt. But we need to know where they're going to get drafted. A good example of this is the Miami Heat, who we just talked about yesterday on the podcast. Wanted to try to pull one up that just happened. Jimmy Butler was number 10 per game this year in a league where most of the top per game guys were really banged up. Jason Tatum was the only player ranked in the first round per game that cleared 70 ball games this season. The only one. The other 11 were 69 or lower. Two of them were 69, by the way. Nikola Jokic, Shea Gilgis-Alexander. Believe it or not, Joel Embiid, of players ranked per game in the first round, had the fourth highest games played total behind Tatum, Jokic, Shea, and then Embiid. It's crazy, I know. Then it was Jimmy Butler. And these are the guys that were being avoided specifically because of a fear that they were going to miss 20 ball games, And they did miss close to 20 ball games, but guess what? Everybody else did too. Butler missed 17. But this is a dude who was drafted near 30 last year. And so that was baked into the equation. So when we were talking about Jimmy on yesterday's show. I said, I think he'll probably be another draft day value because he's older. His fantasy game is not changing So I I don't want to forget this thought that I just had. I want to slip in there, but I also want to finish the thought I, I was just making about Jimmy Butler. We can't necessarily today, on July the 4th, happy Independence Day, everyone. We can't say today necessarily whether we're going to be targeting Jimmy Butler next year until we know where he's getting drafted. Because as much as we might like his fantasy game, we do. High percentages guy. You know I tend to gravitate towards players like that on this show. We also know that he's going to miss, honestly, 17 games at minimum 
this was like a best-case scenario for Butler, that the Heat were floundering and they needed him to play basically every game the second half of the season. We can't draft him until we know where he's going to get picked. He was number seven by totals this last year, which, again, I believe this past season was basically a best-case scenario. We're hearing more rumors now that the Heat don't have a good enough package to get Damian Lillard, so this thing's going to be going back and forth for a few days, a few weeks, at least, one would assume. So let's say that Butler's role is relatively similar next year. Where do we think he gets drafted? I would assume a little earlier than he did this last season after two, three years in a row where he was playing pretty beat up and missing 20 games was actually worse than than league, or 17, sorry. This year, missing 17 wasn't really a problem if you were ranked near the top of the board. No one was catching you down below because the per-game numbers weren't high enough. But I keep getting a little bit off topic here. Point is, the reason I always insert that little caveat in almost everything we talk about, I know that we're, we're sort of splitting hairs, we're parsing something that we've gone over enough times, is that at the end of the day, I probably don't play fantasy basketball in the most fun way possible. I'm willing to admit that. The whole idea of the Dan Vespers old man squad is built on a lack of interest. <laughs> what a horrible way to make a podcast. Tell everybody to do the least interesting thing possible to give them a fantastic chance of winning. But fortunately, enough of you have, have taken to this method, probably because you're in money leagues and you like winning. It's not the most fun. You know who likes to play, who always comes on the podcast and talks about like team fun, Dr. A? You know, we have him on uh, in the run-up to the season. He talks about drafting Luka and drafting Christian Wood. And these guys were, I mean, look, we had done shows leading up to that one where I had said repeatedly, I don't think these guys get anywhere near their ADP. They are fun to roster, though. Luka's very fun to roster. Dude averaging 32, 9, and 8. Putting up these like 50, 15, and 10 games. Yeah, that's fun to roster. Nine cat leagues, he's not going to hit his ADP. Because his turnovers are super high and his free throw stroke still stinks. Who's more fun to roster? Luka Doncic or Jimmy Butler? It's not close. It's Luka by a landslide. Luke on a landslide, but in 9-cat, Butler beats him in every metric. In 8-cat, it's not quite so simple. And then, you know, if you're punting different things, it's also not so simple. Luka obviously goes storming up the board when you take turnovers out of the equation because Jimmy Butler was actually a, a strikingly low turnover dude. Basically had himself almost a 4-to-1 assist-to-turnover ratio this year, which is kind of amazing. Luka was closer to 2, but... Yeah, I mean, that's that's a big deal. He passes him if you're punting turnovers. So maybe that's not the best example because everybody listening that's like, I play head-to-head and I punt turnovers. Okay, fine. But you get my meaning. Maybe take two guys that are uh, both high turnover dudes. Like who's... Okay, this maybe this one's... Uh, who's more fun to roster between Luka Doncic... And Jason Tatum. 
I still think it's probably Luca. Don't you guys agree with that? Am I being crazy there? What about Luca? Eh, you know what? I think that one's pretty good. I think between Luca and Jason Tatum, like 95% of people just on excitement alone would agree that Luca is the more exciting fantasy player to have. Because Tatum puts up some big ball games. You know, he'll give you a 50 burger every once in a while, but it's usually accompanied by, you know, like eight or nine rebounds, four or five assists, a steal, a block, that kind of thing. Luca's big games are absurd. He'll go on a two week stretch where he's going 45, 10, and 10 every single ball game. But, once again, Tatum ranked higher. And by totals, it's not close, because Tatum was far more durable. What about if you're punting turnovers? Where do they end up there? Uh, Tatum's still in front. It's closer. It's closer, but Tatum still got him, actually, even an 8-cat. But Luka's more exciting. But that's never what we've been here on Fantasy NBA Today. This is not an exciting podcast. I'm fully aware of that. And I also think, and this is the point that I wanted to make before that I almost forgot to make, I believe the reason that the old man squad, which again should be renamed the Dan Bespris boring stats or the boring fantasy player squad, but it just doesn't have the same ring to it because the Dan Bespris, the D-B-B-F-S, the D-B-B-F-S doesn't quite roll off the tongue like the D-Bombs. Dan Vespers, Old Man Squad, D-B-O-M-S, D-Bombs. But it is about being boring. And I believe that fundamentally one of the reasons that these guys are considered boring is because they've hit their fantasy apex. And people believe there's nowhere to go but down. And honestly, they're not wrong. Someone like a Jimmy Butler, who we're just talking about. Okay, it's not fair to say there's nowhere to go but down, because if he didn't have Tyler Hero on that team, he would actually have to do more. But who's a better example of this? Tobias Harris, not this past season, because we faded him this year with Harden in town, but for like four seasons prior, there was nowhere to go but down for him. Chris Middleton, nowhere really to go but down Ah, who else is floating? Drew Holiday. Nowhere really to go but down. But here's the thing. Those guys that, in the mind of the general populace, you can say nowhere to go but down, there is actually one other direction they can go, and that's the direction they often do go, which is just straight ahead. The Dan Bespris old man squad, or the Dan Bespris boring fantasy squad, the Debibuffs, is built on the notion, on the concept, that these boring fantasy players are actually plateauing, but not yet diminishing, or at least not fast enough. But everybody else in the world wants the fantasy players that are still going up, where there's a potential to hit some sort of magical gold mine before it's already happened. They feel like that's the way to beat an ADP. I got to get this guy at 55 who's never been a top 30 play before, but this is the year. But in actuality, because 15 or 20 of those types of players 
are identified by the masses every year, they get pushed up the board, and the ADPs of the plateaued players, the Dan Vespris boring fantasy guys, that would be the... Those dudes fall down the board, even though their actual production is 10 to 15 slots higher than where they're being drafted. It just happens because people are like, well, this guy's not going to go any higher. He could go down. I'd rather take this guy that might be on the way up. When in fact, these guys usually, the, the good fantasy players, not even the great ones, good at, to great, like there's a pretty good chunk of them, tend to level off for quite some time before they diminish. You're probably going to get still a few more years of decent to great play from these guys we're talking about before they start to taper off in ability. Kyle Lowry, starting to taper off. Chris Paul, starting to taper off now. You can start to see it when it happens. And sure, that's a risk with drafting boring dudes is that at some point after four, five, six, seven years in a row of being fantasy productive at a plateau... There will be a diminishing return, and you might end up with that guy as he starts to taper off. But taking one small loss after five or six years in a row of wins on a guy, that's a pretty damn good percentage and way higher than the percentage that hits of these guys that are expected to take the the leap forward. That's like maybe 20 to 25% annually. And we're talking about 80 to 85% on the other side. So that's why we look at ADPs, that's why we look at the boring guys, and that's why I can't definitively plant our fantasy NBA Today flag in anything until we see the very first draft data. And unfortunately, that probably won't come out for about another month at Yahoo. No, I'm not that concerned with what comes out at Fantrax early because it's only loony bins that are doing fantasy drafts for next year at this time of year, so that data is skewed. Good luck to Joey Chestnut! And have a wonderful July 4th, everybody. This was a little ADP and Old Man Squad Redux with your old pal Dan Bespris. Have a great July 4th once again. Back tomorrow. Talk Denver Nuggets. Thursday, we're diving into some player movement here on the pod. At Dan Bespris on Twitter. I don't even know what the hell I'm going to be on threads. I assume I'll try to just be at Dan Bespris over there if that's a thing. I'll find out soon enough. So will you. Later for now. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.